Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Good afternoon, happy Monday, and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton, at Clayton's AFC, and I'm delighted to join two very, very happy gooners this morning who may or may not be hungover as well. Um, delighted to welcome Adam Pritchard. Welcome, mate. Uh, how are you doing, Clayton? So it's, uh, good. it's a good morning. Good. good morning. Very, very good evening indeed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, welcome to Angus as well. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Anytime you can plunge Manchester United into chaos, it's a, it's a good day. <laughs> Straight in with it. Uh, yeah, I yesterday was just fucking carnage. Like, I think you guys know this very well, and uh, some of the listeners will probably know this. I my hatred for that lot is up there. It is really up there. And uh, I know Mike's in the chat as well. He uh, oi oi. And a nice little pun in there straight away. Rice to see you. Uh, Rice to see you too, Mike. Um, yeah, Mike's hatred is up there for that lot as well. So over the moon with yesterday. And um, yeah, I guess that, so Angus, you were there, right? Well, yeah. Talk us through talk us through your experience of the day. Um, I was weirdly confident up until about two minutes before kickoff. Okay. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what, God. what changed? What if this goes wrong? <laughs> it was more just the sort of what if this goes wrong? Um, and then, you know, particularly after the opener, um, you're sort of like, they hadn't really done anything. And then they get the goal and you're sort of like, oh, God, not again. Immediate response. And it's like, okay, all fine now. Um, the the Garnacho goal, I actually thought was offside, even though I was at the, the almost wrong end for it. Oh, really? um, it was actually close. Actually, ended up being closer than I thought. But uh, very good eyesight from you there. <laughs> I, I will. I will sort of just shout out some of the people near me that left when that goal went in. Uh, they were some of the people I'm sure shown on Sky Sports, um, and then obviously sort of incredible to to turn it around um, yeah, late on. So yeah. And uh, Adam, where, where were you to what, for, for the game? And uh, you told us a little bit about your post-match antics after, which were a bit different. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I couldn't get a ticket for this one, so I was just watching it at home. Um, and like I was saying to you guys beforehand, I, I'm a very nervous football watcher. And in the stadium, I feel like you can get out a lot of that kind of anxiety and emotion and energy just by reactions, because everyone kind of hypes up their reactions, I think, a little bit. Yeah, uh, when they're watching in a big crowd, um, but I because I, I was just watching it at home in my flat. I had so much energy I needed to expend, so I just went out on a run afterwards because I thought <laughs> this is a more productive use of my time than going on Twitter and uh, upsetting Man United fans. Um, although that is quite fun. That is um, very fun. Yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> fun. But yeah, no. So I just I just went on a run afterwards, uh, which was uh, yeah, got out all my kind of all my nervous energy after the game uh, and then I could kind of come back have a couple of beers and uh, and relax and uh, enjoy nice. 10 holes crying afterwards especially I like that and Angus you had a train journey from north to south London how many yeah. London manks on your train uh, there, there were a few um, <laughs> quite quiet and then a, a few Arsenal fans including multiple of them who decided to watch the highlights with the volume on loud which <laughs> normally of course is just I just look at them and I'm like, what are you doing? But in this case, I was willing to make an exception. Soaking it all up. Oh, I love <laughs> it. So in terms of the, uh, in, yeah, I guess that's enough shithousery for now. But um, I'm sure it, it will come up in, in bits during during the episode. But the lineup, what, uh, I'll go to you, Adam. So when it first came out, it's obviously for the podcast listeners and I guess 
if you were under a rock. Um, the team was Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, midfield of Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, and then Saka and Ketia Martinelli. When the team came, well, first of all, were you expecting that team? I didn't actually see what your predicted 11 was pre-match, but were you expecting it? And then when it came out, what what was your reaction? Yeah, I think that was the team I expected. Um, sure. It was the team I predicted as well. Uh, basically because of the kind of different injuries that we had. It Essentially, if Gabriel wasn't going to play this game, which I think was obviously probably the big question, it's like, well he's not going to play any game if he's not going to play at this point, really, is, yeah. is the conclusion I came to. And I think Nketiah showed... I mean, to be fair, I think he's been really good all season, and especially in his uh, brief cameo against Fulham, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was really, really good that game. Made a lot of the kind of last man uh, runs off the shoulder that I think Man yeah. United can sometimes be susceptible to as well, especially when, uh, when they're playing Lindelof uh, at the back they're not well Lindelof and uh, Martinez they're not hugely physical and even though in Martinez stinks he is but yeah well yeah exactly <laughs> they're physical in some ways in that they'll hack you out of nowhere for no reason but um they're not particularly good in the air I don't think and Enketia isn't tall but I think he's pretty good kind of at his or he certainly developed I think his post-up game quite well agreed um, yeah so I thought that would uh, play into our hands a lot. Um, and yeah, I guess there was some question about whether uh, Havertz would start in midfield. Um, yeah. I was kind of, before the game, I was not too opposed to uh, Rice in that left eight role and seeing Jorginho sitting in midfield. I okay. think, Clayton, it's something I've talked to you a little bit about before, how I'd be quite happy to see that more often through uh, the season just to give our midfield a little bit more I suppose a little bit more structure and certainly in a positional sense I think Jorginho would definitely bring that yeah. um, but I feel like I don't know how you guys feel and I'm sure we'll get onto it later but I think Arteta is just going to keep persisting with Havertz I think he's got enough faith in the player and in his own tactics and philosophy that he's just going to stick out this uh, slightly sticky period um, yeah. keep picking him basically. Well, we can might as well get onto it now. Ang- Angus, what what did you think of Havertz? And well, what two questions? What did you think of him in isolation yesterday? And what have you thought so far? Um, it's it's been a rough start for him. I'll go with that. Um, both it, I think it's not been quite as bad as some people would have you believe, but it's not necessarily sort of. He's not hit the ground running by any means. Yeah. Um. I think he was a, a bit better yesterday. I think actually his, his off-ball work was quite good. It was something that I'd noticed. There were a number of times where, you know, United would get up the field and it was actually Havertz that was sort of intervening, get intercepting the ball, that sort of thing. So I think he 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 did well in that aspect of the game. Um, the attack obviously still needs some work. I think he's still a bit slow in acting on the ball, although I think yesterday you could say that about a number of players. Um so uh, it's it's clearly an adjustment, but um, yeah, slightly more encouraging signs for me, I guess. Yesterday, sure. And Adam, same questions. Where what have you thought so far? Four games in, and well, five including the Community Shield. And um, what did you think in isolation yesterday of his performance? I think um, I've got to give him a lot of credit. Because I think after the Fulham game, I don't think he played particularly well in that match. And 
you could tell in the stadium the fans are starting to get a little bit not necessarily on his back but there's a lot of kind of groans and moans yeah. every time he doesn't do something quite as like exciting as everyone wants um, the spotlight definitely feels like it's on him now right yeah he's i think he's got a lot of, obviously the price tag and the ex chelsea player thing was always going to be a bit of an issue but i think he hasn't i don't think he's been bad to be honest i think he's been okay he's been like perfectly yeah. average sort of six out of ten so far for perfectly us. average <laughs> well it's yeah and that's and that's the issue when you're coming off the back of having granite Xhaka in that role who not only played excellently last season and to be honest for the last sort of 18 months or so in that position if you're just assessing his performances but obviously Xhaka he's a much more vocal leader uh, in the dressing room on the pitch and he's much more of a presence in games than Havertz yeah. I think a lot of people's biggest criticism of him thus far, probably in this game and of his time at Arsenal in general, is that he can feel a little bit passive and a little bit like a passenger. And I think people are, one, I, I agree with Angus, I think his off-the-ball movement has largely been pretty excellent so far. Um, and I think people are kind of looking at him through Ozil-tinted goggles. I think there's a That's lot a really of people are comparison, looking yeah. at him as if... They're, they're basically ascribing everything bad that Ozil did to Havertz already. It's like projecting. And yeah, yeah. And I think I think a large amount of that is about, yeah, it's sort of a little bit of worry that this new player who's meant to be a key cog in our midfield is, is going to flop. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I thought yesterday he was okay. I think largely he's been, I thought against Man City was his best game, ironically, when he Agreed. didn't play in midfield. I thought, his off-the-ball rotations with Martinelli uh, and Declan Rice were, I thought he was outstanding in that match. I thought he tracked John Stones really well. Um, and so I think he's clearly got a good tactical brain for a footballer because you can't... Arteta said that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you can't put in a performance like he did against Man City and be, like, dumb. So I think it might just take a bit of time uh, for him to understand this midfield role in this midfield position yeah uh, i'm yeah. i'm in a very similar boat to you guys i'd say i'm slightly more towards the disappointed end though because i think i've kind of accepted that playing this role in this team with the fluidity and kind of tactical iq it's not easy i kind of accepted there's going to be this grace period where you're just settling in and learning right and I think the thing that I'm frustrated in is the the defensive side, I think is phenomenal. I think he's a really intelligent presser. I think he blocks passing lanes really smartly. It's more offensively. And you kind of touched on it, Adam. I really want to see more. And I feel like a lot of our success comes from the overloads and 3v2s we create in wide areas. And I feel like a lot of that is the automatic movements of the ball will get pinned into Saka. White's either running, Odegaard's either running. And it's all third man runs to create those overloads. And I feel like we always had that on the left with Jacko. You'd, you'd see it with Zinchenko and Jacko automatically rotating to create that space. And I was probably a bit guilty of putting that spotlight on Havertz, but I was just watching him yesterday. Like I was in the ground. I've got a nice view of everything. And I found the ball was going out into wide areas and he just wasn't making those runs to collapse anyone and like the unselfish runs. And he kind of does it, but he does it in a bit of a slow kind of labored way and that's where i think the way we play it's those fine margins i need to see that like proactive urgency in what he was doing 
And I tweet, I don't know if you guys saw, I actually tweeted it about half time. Mike's in the chat. Um, I tweet, I've messaged Mike. I'm not going to say the language I used because I was very <laughs> um, emotional, let's <laughs> say, and a little bit drunk. Um, and I would say I, I was a bit OTT. But then second half, he came out and he was, the movement was so much better. I noticed it the first five minutes. And then exactly what Mike says here, we need to see more of the sort of run he made for the pen. That's the exact sort of stuff I felt was missing in the first half. So I think it's one of those with time and confidence, he'll get there. But um, to summarize, I've, I've been pretty disappointed so far, but kind of have faith in everything that we're heading towards. But enough of that. That's too much negativity for is what is an amazing result and a vibe. So on that, the guy that was behind him, Declan Rice. <laughs> wow. Uh, Angus, well, what did you think of him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to be impressed with him. Um, I think he, he's shown sort of from, from the first sort of almost minute he's been there. He, he wants to be there. He wants to impress. I think occasionally so far he's almost wanted, I think, wanted to impress slightly too much. But um He's he's sort of slotting in nicely, and I think he's he's sort of picking it up step by step, which is which is encouraging because I sort of see places that he can he can do an even better job for the team going forward. Um, which obviously, you know, with with how well it started, sort of makes you feel really positive. But yeah, yeah, I th- I thought he did he did a really good job in this game uh, throughout, and then obviously, sort of you know, culminating in in getting what was essentially the the winning goal. Yeah, and Adam, like obviously, I don't know how much more you have to add, but is he performing at a level better than you thought he was? Because for me, I'll be honest, like I knew how good he was, but he's actually performing even better than I thought he had in his locker. Uh, he's really surprised me in a pleasant way. Well, yeah, I think I'm in the same position because I feel like I obviously you you guys know such. Well, uh, you speak to him much more than I do, Clayton. And but I'm, even he was telling me all summer, Rice is going to make that price tag look like an absolute bargain. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. He's a West Ham kid. I get why he's hyping him up. I'll, I'll let him have this. Not really complain too much. Um, but I mean, it's hard to say he was overpriced at what we pay for him. It's like, I think he's only been the official man of the match in two of only only been man of the match in two of the four games we've had so far but I mean you can make an argument for him being the best player on the pitch in all of them yeah. and I think aside from kind of some of the stuff we talked about earlier with the positional rotations that he's shown and his clear understanding of what Arteta wants that team to do I just love how much he loves it like every single tackle every single pass every single run he makes every goal the team scores he just loves every second of it, and it's it's a. Li- I don't think I expected him to bring that kind of energy and passion. Not because I doubted he had it in him, but because he's a West Ham kid, and because he came up like through their sit. Well, he came up through Chelsea system, but he's yeah. made, played all his professional career for West Ham. I didn't expect him to seem to love playing for Arsenal and seem to love the club as much as he does already yeah. it's, it's he proper gets it don't he i it's mind-blowing and i don't, <clears throat> i don't know if you guys remember this when we signed him arteta said something very specific which has stuck in my head about we supposedly have this grading system with recruitment and he didn't say what the categories were but you can tell with something like defensive aptitude offensive aptitude personality psychological you can and he said he rated highest on everything and you can see it every element of his game 
is at a very good level that can get to world class. Uh, his psychological, like, it's so hard to psychoanalyze from the outside, but you can just tell when someone is psychologically just switched on and he's very coachable and uh, just being a bit of a very basic football fan, he gets it. And as a fan, you just, you love it. Like I, I tweeted last night, every time I consume content from him, I'm smiling like a fucking psycho. It's like <laughs> literally, it, like, he's just walking around and I'm like laughing at my phone. Like this guy is unbelievable, but what a performance and oh there's something we love a last minute win and my uh my heart rate this football club is going to kill me one day honestly but in terms of other components of the team i thought uh yeah what did you guys think about zinchenko being back in obviously the impact that had with gabriel i thought that gave us a, a nice element of control again uh, angus how did you feel about zinchenko being back in the team yeah i think he played well i think uh gabriel played well i think you know, and I know uh, we've sort of talked, Clayton, about the the different the change in the system with party inverting from the other side and it not feeling quite right and everything. And I think it showed, you know, late on in the in the Fulham game, but then particularly this game, a lot of players felt like they not only they knew where they were supposed to be, but they knew where everyone else was supposed to be. Like previously, yeah. you know, White had been staying back almost constantly. Like this game with Saka having white there and sort of that partnership again and um Zinchenko stepping into midfield Gabriel and Saliba back together it just sort of everyone sort of looked more comfortable with each other which I think yeah. made a big difference um and yeah Zinchenko in particular I just thought it looked really comfortable in midfield there were times where he was almost on the right hand side of the midfield um early on which was a little bit of a surprise to me but um it, it all sort of worked quite well together. And uh, like I said, I think it was just that extra sense of comfort that uh, they all looked like they had um, in, you know, being back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. And then on that, I feel like that's quite a nice segue because I, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a couple of narratives doing the rounds in terms of the game and dominance control, this, that. My summary is I felt like we had complete control of the ball and the general yeah the general structure of the game but I felt I was always conscious of United on the on the break I always felt like they when they got balls in areas where they could set Rashford free I, I was a bit on my seat thinking okay they could hurt us but generally 80% of the game I felt quite comfortable I thought we dominated the ball really well got played in really good high areas and always felt like we were kind of front-footed with it uh obviously very fine margins if that Garnacho goal is onside then we're talking about a very different game but my summary is I felt like it was a very deserved comfortable win Adam I'm going to go to you so before I do actually the statistics before we kind of get into what we think so uh for the podcast listeners I've got what we do every week uh Mark our stats is a brilliant kind of data visuals and then the stats behind it so the xg on Mark's model was 2.04 to Arsenal, 0.89 to Man United. The expected threat, 1.7 to 0.82. Possession, 55 to 45. Field tilt, which is obviously how high up and often you're playing in the opposition half, a whopping 81.2% to Arsenal. I feel like our average this season is literally like 80. And then defensive action height, 44.9 to 31.3. So the stats indicate dominance towards Arsenal. Adam, were, were you on board with that or not quite? Yeah, I think um, I, I agree. Some of the narratives around this game have really confused me, and I don't know whether you What's guys. Yours? 
My narrative is uh, I, Man United were never really in the game. I don't think, I don't really rate them that highly, to be honest. No, I think they were quite fortunate to get Champions League last season. And I kind of got uh, lulled into thinking they were a decent team just by kind of sheer weight of popular opinion going that direction. But I think, I think I'm the exact same as you on that, yeah. And I think, uh, I was going to say today, I think yesterday uh, showed how kind of easy it is to play against them because, and something Angus touched on uh, about Zinchenko's positioning was quite interesting because I do think he started, certainly in the first half, he was positioning himself more on the right side of our team. And I think the reason for that is because we, before the game, have probably identified Dallow as the weakest part of their defence or certainly their left channel, I think was the area we were going to try and target. And to be honest, I thought Dallow had a pretty decent he game. He was very good, I thought, yeah. And I think we try to kind of overwhelm that flank uh, with White's overlaps with Zinchenko kind of offering uh, more solidity on that side so Odegaard could push a little bit further forward. Um, so I thought that was one interesting aspect of it. But yeah, the whole narrative over commentary, which you guys won't have heard uh, from Gary Neville. Who uh, were the commentators yesterday? It was Gary Neville. Uh, Peter Drury, and then they have Mike Dean as a <laughs> as a VAR kind of spokesperson. I don't really know what his role was, but yeah, I can't think of a worse uh, pairing than Mike Dean and Gary Neville for an Arsenal game. But uh, yeah, hey ho. Um, so they, well, Gary Neville especially was pushing a narrative that Man United were in control in the first half, and I just I thought it was complete yeah. nonsense because what this because Arsenal... of Onana's two yard passes? Yeah, exactly. Arsenal was sitting off. Man United's uh, kind of back line when they were passing it around and they were and perfectly reasonably happy to allow Anana to pass it sideways back and forth because they can't do anything and when Onana was forced to go long he's kicking it to Martial who isn't a physical forward Rashford who isn't going to kind of challenge too much against Ben White although he's not great in the air and then Anthony on the other side who's like folds like a piece of paper he's a complete he's coward shit in he's so bad um, so yeah there's no point in pressing a defence like when they're playing like that when their forward line is of that physical profile because all you do if you rush the forward line up you're either creating a gap between your forward line and your midfield which then allows Man United to bypass the forward line easily so you're creating space for them to work through there or you're forcing the midfield to push up as well which is just creating the exact environment that Man United want because they're yeah. the one thing they are good at, and I'm loath to give them any credit, but they are very good at quick counterattacks on yep. transitions because they've got pacey players and they've got Bruno Fernandes and Ericsson who are pretty good at picking out those through balls. And so there was no need for Arsenal to press Man United's back line. Um, I think it was Ericsson that played that ball for Rashford, right? He split yeah, it yeah. Saliba. And, and that's an exact example. I know it's it kind of came uh, from a giveaway uh, from, from Havertz, Havertz. <laughs> who gave the ball away. But I mean, that's an exact reason why sometimes you don't need to overcommit against these teams, why yeah. it's not the worst thing in the world just to sit off them because they can hit you on the break like that. And I'm not sure what it felt like from in the ground, but that was the only way I thought they were going to hurt us yesterday. Yeah. It was only on those quick counterattacks that they showed any real threat i thought yeah no i think you've nailed that really nicely because i angus i'd like to get your opinion on it but i 
felt so chill when Anana was just chilling on the ball, thinking he's like prime Tony Cruz. Because I don't know if I feel like this has got lost in the emotion of everything. He actually tried an out ball to Rashford like two, three times, and he didn't get anywhere near him. It just went straight to Ben White's head. And then when he was just controlling the ball, and he he was he was thinking he's like the dog's bollocks with it. You can tell he's his confidence, his chest was out. I was like, mate, what are you doing? This is literally perfect for us. Like, if you if you're doing if your central midfielders are doing that, fair play. Like, if you're behaving like Rodri, but if you're doing this literally five yards from your own goal, I don't see how this is a positive for you guys. So I felt very chill with it, and I Adam's just basically taken what's in my head and illustrated it so much more eloquently than I ever could have. But Angus, where were you on that? Yeah, I thought Arsenal picked and chose their moments well to then push. If they saw an opportunity to then push up, they did. But it's one of the things that some of the people around me were getting annoyed at Havertz. It was something I wanted to mention, but I thought was really good, was him maintaining his discipline. He stood in between Onana and I think it was Casemiro, constantly when Anana had the ball at his feet and he kept checking over his shoulder making sure he was in the way and the fans were sort of screaming at him to press and it was like no he's achieving exactly what you want to there um and the one downside of watching Lindelof like and then Lindelof half the time he would just play it to Lindelof Lindelof would then end up having to pump it forward anyway because it's sort of like you know it was passing that sort of pressure on but no I thought um Arsenal particularly just maintaining that shape, not getting drawn in. Like Adam said, that United just want teams to go and press them yeah. in that in that situation, and Arsenal just wouldn't. And I think it actually, it almost looked like it frustrated them uh, for a lot of it. Yeah, I felt that. And then, so obviously the first 15, 20 minutes, it's nil-nil. It's, it, I'm going to say it was cagey. It, it felt like a bit of, we were just trying to suss them out. We'd let them have the ball. When we get the ball, we have feeling our way into it and then obviously Havertz um pretty poor pass not going to go into too much hammering on that like it is what it is he, he did try to track back and win it back great pass from Ericsson Rashford good goal uh we then counter that with an unbelievable bit of play I don't know how many seconds it was after but it was definitely sub two minutes I'm gonna say uh, I don't know if either of you know specifically how long it was, but I th- I think it was about a minute because on the TV coverage they were still it was quite funny they were showing replays in slow mo of Onana celebrating United's goal basically as Martinelli passes it to Erdogan it was it was pretty hilarious ah oh, that's hilarious but yeah that the move was just that's what I mean when I talk about the kind of oomph and the urgency in our play like it was punched in to Martinelli, I think. And then he did the nice flick to Zinchenko, played it back into Enketio, I want to say, out to Martinelli. And as soon as it, you could just see it as it was trickling into Odegaard. And it felt like he had the whole of that side of the goal to aim for. And I was thinking, bang. And then once that went in, I don't know about you guys, I was like, okay, we, we've got them pulled back again. Where, where were you at, Adam, once we pulled it back to one? Because I, I, well, I can't remember what minute it was. I feel like it was around the half hour mark. You can see on this yeah, graphic, actually. Yeah, it was. That, um, it was interesting. So I tweeted out at the time, like right after we scored, it was kind of, fr- I found it, obviously I was happy we scored, but I was also frustrated because I was thinking that's how easy it is. It's like, yeah. it shouldn't have taken this long. It shouldn't have taken us to have to react to a United goal um, for us to realise, hang on, this midfield is weak as hell. They've got kind of two plodding 30-year-olds in there. Um and we've got a really dynamic, electric front line. 
so yeah, I was a little bit frustrated because I, I mean, I could tell how brittle they were or they would be to some kind of quick dynamic ball movement. And it just felt like too often in that first 30 minutes, we were just a little bit slow. We didn't yeah. have that kind of injection of energy. And it's, it's perhaps a, it's probably a topic of conversation for another day. Uh, I'm sure you guys will cover it, how we do sometimes feel like we need a kick up the arse to like actually react. It does feel like we need to be pressed into kicking into that extra gear this season. Whereas obviously last season, it didn't feel like that at all. Um, but yeah, obviously I was happy we scored, but I was also a bit frustrated it has taken us that long. Yeah. And then, so we go into halftime. It's one all. Angus, you're in the stadium. How are you feeling at halftime? Um, a bit annoyed. I think it's it's the same sort of feeling Adam was talking about was just the whole, you know, how easy that was. It is that sort of frustration of like, well, why did they have to score for you to do that? You could have just done that before. Um, but I guess a little bit of almost relief um, as well, because it was like, you know, it could have, well, it could have had a positive impact for them, obviously, or a negative impact uh, for us if if it had stayed, if it had been one nil, obviously after they scored, but just going in level again, it was sort of like, right, you know, they can, they can sort of, you know, reassess, you know, particularly as I thought it was everyone doing things a bit slowly. It's sort of like, right, get a kick up the arse and come back out second half and sort of just just take things up a level. Yeah, no, I um, I, I think I was basically similar to you. And then, like I said earlier, like, I know I was fixating on Havertz, but what I noticed in the first five minutes of the second half, where I noticed the kind of urgency in his movement and the kind of unselfish runs to create those overloads. And then you see it with, I know it didn't turn out to be a penalty, but the run he makes into the box. And I know Mike said it earlier, that's kind of the stuff we need to see more of. And that was around the hour mark. And I can't remember if that was around the same time where United had like a double chance and Ramsdale made a really good save, but I feel like it was around that period. And yeah, like I said, I felt like we came out second half really strong. Um, there was a period where I was doing, yeah, felt pretty comfortable. We're going to get this. And then I felt like the penalty kind of changed a bit of the tempo of the game. Have you, have you guys seen the, uh, the replays at all? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one because it's the kind of penalty that I think if it gets given against you, you're thinking, how on earth is that a penalty? There's barely any contact there. If the contact that is there, the player probably instigates and you're absolutely livid. Obviously, when it is given for you and then taken away, you're kind of of two minds because when I was watching the replays, I was like, okay, it is a bit soft, but I don't know if it's of that kind of clear and obvious error threshold that is supposedly in place. Um, yeah. I feel like it was, I, th I think they probably did it because of the context of the game. I think if it's not, if it's Arsenal against, I don't know, Sheffield United and Arsenal were 3-0 up and that exact incident happens, I think they probably don't bother going to VAR. I know yeah. it's a little bit kind of, it's, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think because it was the state of the level, game kind of the state of the, exactly, and it was against Man United, if, if a referee gives a penalty there and that decides the game, I feel like that can sometimes become the narrative and then that's all anyone's talking about. Uh, because of the result, it's kind of a little bit incidental. But yeah, 
I feel like it it was it was 50 50 I'm annoyed it got overturned but at the same time I, c- I can kind of see why yeah I can't I think I was in the same boat to be honest Angus well what did you think of it I mean, at the time, obviously, I was absolutely convinced it was a travesty, and you know, um, you know that the game was sort of fixed and whatever. After seeing it, I reluctantly think I don't think it's a penalty. So, yeah, um, me too. I'm sort of like, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, fair enough. And then shortly after that, Lissandro the Butcher Martinez does his thing, gets a nice little yellow card, and then goes off a couple of minutes after and. Harry Maguire comes on to a standing ovation at the Emirates. Uh, <laughs> Hoyland comes on, and I, I don't know about you guys. I actually thought he looked pretty good. He looks a problem. Uh, Adam, feel like not quite there with that. Go on. Yeah, no, I just feel like people have been hyping up his. Uh, not, not saying you. Yeah, I feel like Man United fans have definitely been hyping up. Ah, oh, when Hoyland comes in, we're going to be a different animal in attack. And I think what he bought. To the game he did so just in his physicality and certainly yeah. his physicality in comparison to martial but that's not something of a 75 million pound striker it's not enough just to pose a physical threat to the opposition because i mean yaya sonogo used to do that for arsenal it doesn't <laughs> it didn't make him a good footballer i didn't see what do you mean the best thing in since last well, spread yaya that's true <laughs> fa cup winner yaya sonogo um and emirates cup winner <laughs> and emirates cup winner the, the the famous double um yeah i think he definitely posed a bigger problem than martial did but i think like i say i think that was just due to his physicality you saw he was ready to go toe to toe with gabriel and i thought gabriel did a pretty good job of matching him uh pace for pace which I think is more impressive when you consider the switch up that he had to do because like i say martial and hoyland are completely different types of strikers um yeah so yeah I, he offered them a different threat and i think it was only that kind of difference of type of attack that i think it made it seem worse than it actually was if that makes sense yeah fair enough so that was their double sub. So Hoyland and Maguire came on for Martial Martinez. A few minutes after that, we then made a triple sub, which I was very happy with. Jesus on for Enketia, Tommy on for Zinchenko, and then Vieira on for Havertz. And what in that period, did you feel, Angus, that, like, that triple sub had any change on how we were playing? Where were you at, at that minute in the game? So that was um... the 76th, 77th minute that that happened. Yeah, I think it needed a, an injection of something. Um, it's not a comment on Enketia. I thought he played very well again. Um, but you just have that that change, that that added freshness. Um, you have... Um, I, I totally got sort of like Zinchenko's obviously being eased back in. Um, I think Vieira, the last couple of games he's come on and, and actually looked good and sort of given a, a bit of energy, but also a bit of... Um, so the the quality that I think we were sold we were getting, but didn't yeah. necessarily see as much last season, um, which just shows about sort of the adjustment period for players as well. Um, I think maybe that's something about the the criticism that Havertz is getting as well is that Vieira's come in come on for him in sort of back to back games and sort of got assists. Obviously, this one it was right at the end. But um, is he in line for a start at Everton after the international break for you? Probably not because Kai Havertz will probably stay in the team. (laughs) But um, I I think he's sort of he's showing that he's 
you know, he's making a real case. And I think that's that's what you really want as well. You want players coming on who are who are really pushing the, the incumbents and sort of presenting a really good case and creating just that extra level of competition for places. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was I was pretty pleased at that point. I thought they all made sense and that they were going to help to potentially sort of, you know, push push for that that second goal. Yeah, I'll be honest. When we made that triple sub, I was like, "Yeah, we've won this." Like, not a doubt, not a doubt in my mind. And then, standard me, I say something like that, and then they go and score. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Garnacho comes on for Anthony, who, like I said, he is the biggest heap of shit I've seen. Anthony, he does not get enough criticism when you look at what Pepe is, the crap Pepe's had to deal with. And like, I'm not trying to defend Pepe, but I would argue they're not too dissimilar in impact and Pepe actually contributed to us winning a trophy like significantly um anyway I just have to get that off my chest (laughs) Garnacho comes on for Anthony and then world-class Johnny Evans comes on for Victor Lindelof uh starting a game with two centre-backs and then finishing it with two different ones that are Maguire and Johnny Evans is quite something when you spent the amount they have um and then yeah a few minutes after that flipping hell I'm at my heart's in my mouth and uh Garnacho straight through and goal and slots it away nicely. Angus, I can't remember if we said this before we went live or if this was actually when we were live, but you said from your seat, you thought he was off, right? Yeah, and seeing the replay back, I thought he was more offside. You than had he laser was. eyes. There. How the hell did you pinpoint that from your seat? Gabrielle dropping the Michael Jackson and you spotted yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think I, I thought that it was it was slightly further on than it was, but I mean, you know, I, I thought it was off and then sort of the way it carried on, I was like, was I was I just wrong? Like, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then like you say, you see it's impressive body control from Gabrielle to Very. to stop the the way he does at the just in time as well. Yeah. And Adam, what, what did you think when you were watching it live? Because I, I I'll be honest, like Angus, I, I thought he was off, but it wasn't with any confidence. I think it was just more like a probably a biased thing, to be honest. But when you were watching it, did were you nervous or chill thinking he was off? Um, to be honest, I thought he was onside. Um, oh, but okay. I still thought we had at least another goal in us. So I was, it was sort of a little bit similar to the first goal, where obviously because it's later on in the game, there's more pressure to it. But I was a bit like, it's really frustrating we've conceded this goal because now we have to score two to win. Yeah. And I'm confident we can get one. Whether or not we can get two with the time left is is a kind of different story. Um, I was the exact same. I thought we had it in us to make it two all, but I didn't think we would go on to win three two at that goal. Stood. Yeah, yeah, and and again, it's just the same way that Man United showed threat all game is just a pass in behind with someone quick running onto the end of it. It's not anything particularly tactically exciting. No. It's not really exciting football. Um, it's the only way I really think they've showed any threat season um they can't control a football game they just no they can't and to be honest there's there's only certain things you can do to limit it as well when you've got especially Garnacho is very his acceleration is very very impressive almost more so than his top speed um and sometimes there's not much you can do against it and yeah it was a good finish but but yeah very relieved it was uh it was offside yeah, so uh, obviously massive roar. That that I I want to say that I'm a big believer in momentum in football and kind of shifts in energy, and that just galvanised everyone, right? And then it just felt like a sea of red. Every wave of attack, obviously Saka missed that massive chance, right? Like, do you think 
Was that a good save? Was that a poor finish? What Angus, what do you think? I at the at the time I haven't seen I haven't actually seen it back at the time. I thought it was just a poor finish, but um it it almost like at the time it felt like oh he's just you know he's tried almost too hard to just get it on target. But yeah. like I say, I haven't seen it back, so I, I can't say for sure whether that was actually the case. Adam, what did you I, think? I think what he tried to do he sort of actually tried to do a little bit similar to how Enketia did against Fulham, where yeah, he opens up his it. body, opens up his foot as well, lets the ball come across him and then just like guide it into that bottom corner. So I think because the I think the distance was slightly closer than Enketia's against Fulham, but I think he, yeah, I think he just tried too hard to get it in the bottom corner and almost almost kicked the ball too early, if that makes sense. He needed to yeah. let it come across his body a little bit more, open up his foot a little bit more just so he could guide it into that bottom corner. But instead, yeah, he ends up kind of snatching at it a little bit, kicking it straight at Anana. And yeah, when that happened, I was a little bit like, ah, yeah, that was... That's that always, was the one. That was the one, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. So I was in, like head in my hands, like, oh my God, he's literally just passed it straight at him. And, uh, and then obviously there's a corner. And I remember I was watching this so clearly because it was on my side where we took the corner and I could see it going to the back post and I could see Rice starting to open up his chest and I was like, come on. Come. I, at first, I was thinking, just head it back in. And then I saw him doing that. I was like, okay. And like, I was lots of thoughts going on in a very short period of time here in my head. But um, yeah, so he takes it down and then wallop and obviously takes a deflection, but the fucking limbs. Oh my <laughs> God. Like absolutely ridiculous ridiculous and then seeing the way he celebrated it and is ah it was just the amount of last minute winners we've had this season i was with you adam in the pub for the villa one uh obviously it was at the bournemouth game where i famously broke my glasses (laughs) thankfully no no broken glasses yesterday i think it may have a bone somewhere but fuck me when that went in it was just electric and the emirates raw i think is one of the best in the country i really do believe that our atmosphere divides opinion but when when there's moments like that it is absolutely incredible and I I think it was so poetic that it was someone like Declan Rice where I can't remember if it was Adam or yourself Angus or potentially both saying that you could argue he's been the best performer in every game and then to step up in that moment where we desperately need a goal what was it the 96th minute or something just absolutely ridiculous yeah I think like you say there is something poetic about it being Rice who who gets that goal and it, it's just reward for the performances he's put in throughout the season, and yeah, it. I wouldn't. I almost wouldn't have wanted it to be anyone else. Obviously, like I love Saka like like a brother, but it hit being Rice, kind of him getting his first goal in a game of that kind of narrative importance, uh, kind of right at the end. Yeah, there, there was definitely something poetic about it. Just just on him before we get onto Jesus's uh, goal. Just want to bring up this slide. So this is again from Mark R. Stats, uh, Mark R. Stats bot, sorry, on Twitter. So this is a, an illustration for people on the podcast. I'd highly recommend going and looking at this. So uh, it's got two different axes. One is pro- your, like your ball progression through passing. One is your ball progression through carrying. And you've got people like Anana, who's quite high up there for passing. Uh, Saliba, a bit of passing, a bit of carrying. And then you've got Declan Rice, just in a world of his own just leading it for both. And I, I was listening to Arsenal Vision's instant reaction and I forgot what the stats was, uh, the stat was, sorry, but it was something in terms of meters carried through passing and uh, uh, passing and carrying. And it's like the average is about 400 meters, 
is it meters or yards whatever whatever the metric is it's 400 and uh rice was at like 800 or something which is the biggest anomaly he is an absolute monster but i just thought this graphic illustrates him amazingly he is unbelievable i think he can perform the six or the eight to a world-class standard like we have got a unicorn on our hands there and uh yeah he obviously teed it up nicely it's 2-1 don't know about you guys i'm i'm not chilling but i'm comfortable and confident we can see the game out especially once we um we brought on uh Jorginho for Odegaard I, I'm a big fan of that sub I do really like it and then we we get a third chance and uh, the ball goes out wide to Vieira pinpoint first time pass to Jesus he's running in on goal Adam he's got the ball almost halfway line are you confident he's putting that away when he picks up the ball and he's dribbling in on goal I was originally when I thought the pass go through, it reminded me a little bit of the uh, the breakaway. Obviously, there was a goalkeeper in this game, but the one against Villa, where yeah. I think it was Vieira again played the pass through to Martinelli. He kind of just steamed through. Um, and obviously, Jesus isn't as quick as Martinelli. So I was a little bit like, okay, yeah, no, this looks good. I back him to score in a one-on-one. And then I think it was Dallow was coming back on the cover and I was like, Oh, is this going to be the situation where he kind of just gets shepherded out into touch and then we kind of don't capitalise and we just see it out for a 2-1 victory? Um, which is potentially maybe the tactically smart thing to do. Um, but then he kind of cuts back inside Dallow. I think at time of recording, Dallow still might be sliding. I don't know where, he, don't know where <laughs> yeah, he's I've ended just up seen him. Yeah, he's, he's gone by the window. Um, yeah, and then cuts back perfectly, shifts it out of his feet. Lovely, calm finish and... Uh, and yeah, that was, it's one of those goals when that kind of cutback happens. I just started laughing because it's just yeah. so, it's so comically calm and like skillful in that kind of, having just made like a 50 yard run uh, in that kind of pressurized atmosphere to do that. It, yeah, it was just great. Loved it. The composure levels. Angus, where, what were your confidence levels as a, you received the ball and he's running through on goal? Uh, they were good when he was running through on goal. Went down a little bit when he was sort of running through and clearly going to shoot on his left foot. And I was like, I'm not entirely sure about this. And then the 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 strength with which he sold the shot fake that obviously sent Dallow sort of, you know, in, in, in off to Portugal um, <laughs> was sort of like, you know, almost sold me. And then it was sort of like, oh, he's got the easy part now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just sort of, that that sort of range and then it was sort of like that that release moment where i think for the couple of minutes before most i think there've been two two celebrations from the crowd thinking it was the final whistle when it wasn't and so then it was almost a bit weird the celebration for the goal because people still went for it but it was sort of like the we finally get to celebrate the game being <laughs> over we've tried to twice already it definitely felt like more of a relief right because um yeah even though i say i was comfortable i think just having the third goal is just that kind of concrete yeah we're, we're done now and uh yeah because the, the limbs for the third goal were as good as the second even though there wasn't the same kind of pressure to get that winner um but man having jesus back up there were just a few, I know it was Johnny Evans, but there are a few moments where he just kind of had the ball in wide areas. And the way he just wangles his way out of these tight spaces, I think he gives us that level of dynamism that we've kind of sometimes been missing in the final third. And it just unlocks a different level of fluidity. But man, what a win. What an absolute unbelievable win. And 
what were your I don't know if you two do score predictions before games like amongst yourself with friends or anything, but we did the preview pod and uh Mike said three one to the Arsenal, Scott said three one to the Arsenal, I said three one, James from Planet FPL said three one. I feel like three one was a very popular predicted scoreline. Did you guys have that? Do- yeah, so I do a score prediction game uh, with a few mates, and three one was what three one was what I had as well. Obviously, I didn't think it would be in that kind of uh, circumstance, but yeah, no, I think we've we've talked about uh, already the kind of brittle nature of certain aspects of United's defence, um, and with the attacking quality we had, I kind of I kind of always backed us to get goals. Yeah, like I say, not not in those exact circumstances, and I would have liked it to be. A little bit more comfortable, but hey, can't complain. Yeah, I feel like we're heading there. I'm st- it feels like things are slowly... Uh, we're, it's taking us a bit longer, I think, to get to the level of fluidity than it did last season. But it feels like the overall domination and areas of the pitch, we're performing at more consistent levels, I feel. So I think it's one of those. Honestly, I feel like it's going to go bang very, very soon. And I really hope it's in time for the North London derby because <laughs> that lot are annoyingly looking quite good. Um what we'll do, we'll, just, we'll wrap up soon, but uh, we'll see if there's any questions in the chat. And uh, before I do go on to them, just shout out a few of the guys. Obviously, Mike, Mike's in the chat. Nice one. Thanks for joining. Got Hassan in saying, yes, lads. Cheers for joining, mate. Got William in. Uh, so sad that I, I'm not even going to, I'm going to say missed this. Misser Shah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a typo. I'm guessing William's hungover from celebrating. So nice one. Uh, we've got a question in from Mike. So this is a good one. Ang- oh, sorry, Angus, I've covered your face with that. I'll keep it That's on for right. a second and then I'll get rid of it. <laughs> like I said, Nima does all this back-end stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so Mike says, looking at what Onana was trying to do, do you think it accelerates Raya coming into the team? Angus, well, what's your thoughts on that? Potentially, although I think at the moment, um, I know that me and you agree in terms of not necessarily being as sold on Ramsdale as some people. Um, but I think, you know, he's actually had a good enough start to the season that I think it's it's going to be tough to to leave him out sort of imminently. But I think that there will probably come a turning point with it. Sure. Adam, any thoughts on that? No, I don't, yeah, I don't think it has too much of an effect. I think... I didn't think Ramsdale was great against Fulham, um, but I thought he was much, much better uh, against Man United. Like you mentioned earlier, Clayton, I think the only chance outside of kind of the goal and then disallowed goal that United had where I was worried was that double save he had to make. And he, yeah. I thought he did very well there. I think, I just don't think we've seen enough, certainly with the ball at his feet, I don't think we've seen enough like negatives yet from Ramsdale to justify any switches. I think maybe as kind of cup competitions and Champions League comes around, I think I've said before, I think Raya will get games in Europe and the cup and maybe interested in an outstanding performance there, then possibly that's when we see the switch over. But I don't, I don't think we've seen enough bad stuff from Ramsdale yet to justify sure. it. So where I'm slightly different is I agree. I don't think we've seen anything bad per se, but I think it's one of those when you kind of make a pro proactive change. So I t- take the Ramsdale Leno situation. I felt like Leno wasn't bad. It was just we knew Ramsdale was in the wings with a skill set slightly different. And even though I wouldn't say Raya's skill set is infinitely better than Ramsdale, I do think there's an element of us building from the back with Ramsdale where we can still improve. I I feel like personally 
his distribution has regressed a little bit and I feel like he holds on to the ball a bit too long but like he's lost the kind of punch in his distribution and I think Raya can actually take that level of build up in phase one to another level personally um whether I think it will accelerate Raya coming straight into the team. Not quite, but I do think there's an area, a big area we can improve on there. And I think there's, a, I'm not sure what the type of opposition would be, but let's just say there's opposition where we've got them pinned and we just need to keep punching it quickly and even equally just slow the game down sometimes. I think Raya will be quite good at kind of helping dictate tempo in a weird way, whereas I feel like that's an element Ramsdale I don't think has to his game personally. Where are you both in terms of thinking his first game will come then, right? So you touched on, you think, the cup competitions, Adam. Thinking Brentford or Champions League? Um, I, Yeah, I think it will be at the first opportunity. What, what's, in. what's first in the schedule? Is it Brentford or the Champions the League? Champions game? League, isn't it? Is it? can't actually remember. Let me have a quick look. But yeah, basically, looking that up, I think it will be the first opportunity he gets not in the Premier League because I think... True. There's a certain amount of um, like people are used to rotating goalkeepers in cup competitions, and I think we'll probably see some other changes in those because of the nature of our Champions League group. I wouldn't be surprised if Kivio got a couple of games. Yeah, Tomiyasu got a couple of games as well. Certainly at home, I could see us playing more of a rotated lineup than we might have done otherwise. Um, yeah. So I think Raya kind of fits quite naturally into that uh, into that change up, but I feel like in the Premier League you kind of want to you want to keep a consistent unit, and I think now we've kind of finally gone back to the unit that worked so well for large parts of last season. I think I think Arteta would be reluctant to change it too much. He he can be quite uh, stuck in his ways for for better and for worse, but I think I think that all kind of That'll kind of make him a little bit cautious and hesitant to make that goalkeeper change. Sure. So I just had a look. So um, the first cup competition is the Champions League. So we've got Everton away, then PSV at home, uh, Spurs at home in the league, and then Brentford away in the cup. Angus, do you think there's anything in... I mean, this is a pure narrative thing, but fuck it, I'm going to throw it out there. The idea that it's Champions League, it's the first time for this group. Ramsdale's been a key figure in that group getting there. Ramsdale will get the first Champions League game or... Do you think it's that that's got nothing to do with anything? I think it's possible, particularly for the first game, but I think you know it then it then almost becomes a bit weird in some ways if you give him one game and then leave him out for yeah. the rest <laughs> of them. Um so but I, I'm expecting to see Riot in goal for that, but um for PSV. It, yeah. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's just nice to be even in a position to have these conversations and debates, to be honest. It's a, a far cry from David Espina and Alex Runison. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've come a long way. Um, I feel like that's that's it. We're, we're coming up to the hour mark and, um, yeah, I feel like we've covered most things. So, uh, yeah, I guess for people that have joined live, uh, obviously, as you all know, um, I'm currently covering for Nima and I hate doing the hosting gig with the like and subscribe, but it, it does help a lot. So for anyone watching, if you could drop the stream a like for Adam and Angus's appearance, I'd appreciate that. And I think we're on like 179 subscribers. So the road to 200 is on. So um, yeah, if you've laughed, if, you, if you're a United fan and you hate us and you want to tune in again, feel free. Uh, <laughs> hit, that, hit that like, subscribe so you don't miss it. And uh, yeah, Adam, Angus, thanks a lot for joining us. Adam, where, where can people find you on uh, Twitter, X, whatever it is? 
Uh, you, you can uh, you can find me at three five who uh, spell out in uh, letters, not particularly nice. uh, social media friendly, but hey. I've always been um, intrigued actually. Where did that come from? I'm, I know it's a play on the formation, but is that it or? Yeah, so it was. I think I can't remember when I started my Twitter account. It must have been like 2015 or so, but it was around the time when uh, Conte first kind of came into the league. He obviously started with a back four, but then switched to a back three, and it started working and like every single manager was like, oh, the back three is the answer to all my problems. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very bad pun that I've kind of persevered with. Uh, <laughs> very right, you, do like, you do love a pun on Twitter. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. And Angus, are you uh, like inverted fullback Angus McPhail or something? Or, <laughs> where, where can people uh, find I wish. You? <laughs> uh, it's just uh, Angus 81 and the 81 is just numbers. Nice one. Cheers, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for joining. Really enjoyed this. And just, just before we head out, uh, William who has admitted he is very, very hungover and it's so worth it. He said what I was trying to understand earlier. So sad I missed the live show. think I'll go around smiling all week. I love this club club, and, and our fans. Completely agree. And uh, on that note, massive, massive three points. Up the fucking Arsenal. And I don't know how to play music, so we're going to go rice, rice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Up the Arsenal. Cheers, guys.